0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Hooniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, and I'm currently sitting inside a Toyota Tacoma TRD Sport double cab long bed. I just shot this truck for Truck Central. I'm sitting in front of my condo now in the cab of the truck so I can record a podcast. I was going to do it the other night at Chris's, but it was just, I have way too much going on ahead of a trip later in this week, so I just wanted to get this done. On my own, so this is a solo episode. I'm still going to answer all the questions I asked you to post and all that good stuff. Uh, the trip, by the way, is finally to Colorado to drive the Kia Stinger GT in the snow. I'm going to Crested Butte, Colorado, to drive it on a snow course. They're also going to have the 2019 Sorrento there, but I don't really care about that, like even a little bit. So I I care more, much more about this Kia Stinger on the snow. Uh, I've been told by someone else who had already driven it on this course that it's a wide and fast course. So there should be some good sideways slidey fun. And that's all I really want. Um, So I'll talk about that when I get back next week. But for now, first I want to touch on a couple of the things that are being shown in Geneva. I haven't been, I haven't been paying that much attention to the Geneva Motor Show, um, but there's been some some cool news popping up. One thing that is kind of blowing my mind performance wise is the new the new I always I don't know if I pronounce it right, but I'm, Rimac the Rimac C underscore two. Uh, Rimac is a Croatian electric supercar company. You probably know them as the car that Richard Hammond flipped on the hill climb, but what they have in their first car was the, the concept one. Um, it makes over the concept one. The first car makes over a thousand horsepower and does zero to 60 in like two and a half seconds. And I think it does 220 miles an hour. Crazy. This new car, the C underscore two makes 1,900 horsepower from a 120 kilowatt hour battery pack. It sends that out to four motors. There are two motors up front and two motors in the back, basically one for each wheel. There are four gearboxes. There's a one there's two single speed gearboxes up front and then there are two two speed gearboxes out back. They have to use a two speed gearbox in the rear to help mitigate the nearly 1700 pound feet of torque. Rimac is saying this thing will go from 0 to 60 in 1.85 seconds. That is ridiculous. Remember when four seconds was fast? And then remember when the three second barrier was broken? I mean, that. I mean this is crazy. The top speed is 258 miles per hour. And if you are just driving it normally, the range occurring to the European driving cycle, which is a bit more favorable than the EPA testing cycle, is over 400 miles on a single charge. Rimac is calling this their Grand Tour. So the inside is actually pretty nice, too. And it's heavy because it has the big battery pack and all that stuff. So those numbers are even more impressive. This thing is wild. Now, one area where I'm a bit leery as far as their claims, I believe all of their performance metrics. It's amazing that we live in a time when I don't have to... I I'm, I believe them that the car will be, able, will be capable of doing these crazy performance speed numbers. It can do the quarter mile in 9.1 seconds. Where I'm leery related to this news is that it says it is ready for level one autonomous, or sorry, it is ready for level four autonomous driving. Now, that I have a harder time believing because if you don't know, on the SAE, SAE devised level of autonomous driving, level four is one away from the top. So in level four driving, Under certain conditions, a car can operate without human intervention. So basically, a good example of this would be you'd be driving it yourself around town and then say you pulled onto the highway and you set the system up, you could kind of sit back and take your eyes off the road and you wouldn't have to be paying attention. Under level four autonomous driving, when it's in that mode, the driver does not need to be aware of what's going on. No car on the market can do that. Um, Audi says they're close to a level three car in the new A8 in certain markets. So to to have Rimac come out and say we've got level four, that I don't fully believe yet. Um, so it says it can do it under certain conditions, and maybe that means like in stop and go traffic or you know something silly. But that I feel like you need to do more than just something like that for level four autonomous driving. The performance stuff though is wild. Now also speaking of other. Performance bits. Uh, Aston Martin is having a big Geneva Motor Show. They moved to a larger stand. They have a lot to show off. That's because last year was their first profitable year since 2010. They're selling tons of cars. They're finally making some money. This is all good stuff because it means more and better Aston Martin products. One thing they showed off that was neat is their Lagonda Vision concept. Lagonda will eventually be uh, a zero emissions division of the company. This is like a a futuristic, self-driving electric vehicle with an absolutely insane, gorgeous interior. But the one I'm most interested in that's on their show stand is the Aston Martin Valkyrie AMR Pro. So this is the track-only version of an insane track-based road car. Aston Martin is only building 25 of these. They're already sold. And one of the most amazing numbers I'm finding in the list of specs beyond the 1100 brake horsepower and all that stuff. It it has a lateral acceleration figure of three G's. The average sports car you've driven on the road probably just touches on the good side. You know, it's just over one G. This is three times that. That is crazy that it can accelerate laterally. To that scale. that I mean, that is unreal. Uh, I, I can't wait to see early test reviews of this thing. I'm sure, you know, like Henry Ketchpool will drive it uh, and some other very special British journalists and maybe, you know, some a handful, three American journalists will drive it or something like that. I definitely won't. Um, but whatever. That car looks just unreal. It's Adrian Newey's vision of if he didn't have to adhere to any rules this is the car he created, and it is it is absolutely, absolutely wild. Of the next crop of insane hypercars, the Valkyrie gets my vote for the most just batshit wild in the best ways possible. So that should be pretty good. Later in this week, I'm excited. When I return from Colorado from driving the Kia, I finally get my hands on the new Jeep, the JL. Uh, so I will no longer confuse existing JKs with the JL. I'm getting, I believe they're sending over a a two door sport. So it'll be a fun model to test. It probably shouldn't be priced too expensively because it's not going to be like a four door Rubicon or anything like that. So this will, this is a good example of one that someone is likely to buy though. Uh, I mean, people who buy Wranglers do spend $40,000 on their four door unlimiteds and Rubicons and all that stuff. Um, regardless, I'm going to take it off road and have some fun with it. It should be a good week with that thing. Um, I was supposed to get the Alfa Romeo Quadrifoglio, the Julia, but that got pushed back, which is fine. I'm swapping the Jeep in its place, so no big deal there. I just had the Tahoe RST, which we spoke a little bit about on the last podcast. So that's that's it's still I still wound up walking away from that one, thinking it was just a bit too stiff. Uh, and a bit too expensive, but I liked everything else. The review of that truck is up on Truck Central, and I've also posted the Truck Central video on Hootiverse.com if you want to go find it and see my thoughts in video form. Um, So that was good. What else do we have coming? Um, Just trying to think of my calendar, what's going on. Travel, so no big travel. Well, okay, so there is one bit of, it hasn't been scheduled yet, but I've been told to keep my calendar clear for a pretty awesome event in May. Uh, looks like I might be going back to Germany. To experience the Nürburgring 24 hours again. And I am super fucking stoked on that. Because there will also be the drive of a vehicle. Which hasn't been announced yet. So I can't say what it is. Um, So yes, I'm super pumped. Because one, N24... Two, travel to Germany, which is a fantastic country to visit. I want to... That's it. There's two bullet points. Well, no, three, the car. Um, I want to try to venture deeper into the woods at night if I can this time around. I want to remember not to slap a gentleman driver in the face with a white glove this time around. Uh, I want to be not hung over on the ride to the airport this time around because that ride from the ring to the Frankfurt airport was just fucking awful. It was... It was awful. Um, so I'm, I'm sure I'll totally forget that. But, you know, that's that's how it goes. And it'll be worth it. The, the pain of the van ride back to the airport will be worth it because then I'll have many hours of sleep ahead of me on a cushy business seat, business class seat. It's business time. Um, that's what business time is. That's what the song is really about. It's not about sex. It's about sleeping on airplanes. Yeah. So I'm excited. So if if anybody listening to this, uh, is going to N24, and there's probably only one of you (laughs) who's listening to this who might be there, uh, I'll, I'll text, I'll text you. We could talk more about it. Uh, but if seriously, if anybody else is listening to this and you're going to be there, let me know. Let's hang out and have a beer at the ring. You know, let's do some cool shit, man. Um, yeah. So now that I've been recording for a whole 10 minutes, I'm going to jump into some questions, but it's not the end of it, but I'm just jumping into questions now. First up, we got to do Patreon, because if there was a room full of you, you could recite what I say here, which is basically that Patreon's better than the rest of you. You know, I say it in jest, but it's true. Um, (laughs) Dan Mosqueda, I test drove a Julia. I liked it. Are you seeing many in Southern California? I'm seeing a handful of them um not a ton of them i don't really see the 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 quadrifolios i see the regular julias I, I see more infinities than i do julias i i definitely see more Audis than i do Julia's. i don't see that many julias bobby reed in order of importance how would you rank the following sports car features independent rear suspension rear wheel disc brakes and limited slip diff uh i would rank the suspension then the diff then the brakes that's how i would do it cuz if you have, a, you know, most of your brake bias is going to be on the front, so that's not as important. You can get by around a racetrack without the limited slip. The independent rear suspension, though, is important. The Advocate, what are your thoughts on Alex Roy's Human Driving Association? Check the manifesto here. I think you'll find it quite interesting. If any of you haven't seen this, go to thedrive.com and read Alex Roy's manifesto. Based, it's. It, I don't want to say it's like the NRA's view of guns, at, Comparing car humans to cars. I mean, but that's probably the best way to view it. I like what Alex is doing. It's very aggressive, but it's it's. I can see both sides of why you would be against this and for it. So for now, I'm for it, and I'm really curious to see where Alex is going to take it. I like what Alex does. He's very knowledgeable about autonomous driving features. He's done a lot of research in that space. So... Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm curious. I'm going to follow it, and I'm on the side of it at the moment. The Advocate with another question. If you could have any current new car that comes with a manual transmission, brand new today, in your driveway, in any spec you wanted, what would it be? Included cars from the likes of Singer, the Ring Brothers, in addition to actual manufacturers. Why is this your choice over a similar choice? Um, it's funny because, uh, let me see. What would I take with the... Man- I mean, the Ring Brothers are doing amazing things, but that's that's... A little too fancy for what what I might want. Um, I'm not a Porsche guy, but I've been to the Singer shop, and what they're what they're doing is absolutely unreal. So if you're going to include the stuff from them, I'd probably pick something from Icon, Um, and it would. I mean, can you count an Icon Derelict as a new car with if you put a manual gearbox in it? Your question. See, that's where your question gets a bit vague, because if you can do that. Then there would be no similar choice, and I would just choose some kind of icon derelict. So old, ma- new, no, wait. old car with new shit underneath it done really well. That, I mean, that would be the dream. Yeah, so fuck it. That's my answer. Kevin Schrage. Hey, this was a question for Chris. OEMs have a hard time keeping their infotainment current compared to the rest of the consumer electronics world. What changes to their development environment would get them more closely aligned with the rest of the industry? What can OEMs do to future-proof their systems to try and prevent them being dated before the lease is up? Outsourcing to Apple or Google isn't an option because the OEMs want that sweet, sweet user data for themselves. I disagree because, and I'm answering this on behalf of Chris who isn't here, uh, I think Chrysler did a really smart thing with their Uconnect when they outsourced the development of it to Sprint because Sprint deals in consumer-facing electronics (coughs) all the time. I'm holding a cell phone in my hand backed by Sprint's network. Um, So I think outsourcing it is the best way to do it down the road or hire in-house teams from that industry so that you can show, you know, you maybe take people from Silicon Valley and show them this is what it takes to actually manufacture cars in the real world uh, so you can get the best of both point of views and you can do that. And then you do something like Tesla's over the air update stuff and you should be good to go for some time. Uh, Marshall Cash, I know actually Chris would say, just let you mirror what your phone does. And so that as phones, um upgrade themselves as the years go by, your car automatically follows the trend because it's just mirroring what your phone is doing, and he'll be right as well. Marshall Cash. I just listened to that latest Slip Angle podcast with three guys from S2K Challenge, and they brought up the point that the S2000's MSRP in 2000 money is somewhere between forty dollars to $50,000 today. So my question is, what would you buy new that has the same ability to go from the showroom to racetrack and lap like a stock S2000? Um, I mean, you could take any performance pack mustang and do that for sure the new mustang the 2018 mustang video live on hooniverse.com and the youtube channel is really really good same with the camaro um, uh, if you get like a one or two year old corvette grand sport that'd be pretty awesome there, there are a bunch of cars that can go do it today absolutely david life slash career advice you wish you had received 10 years ago um, get out of remove your desire to be in front of the camera and embrace the desire to be behind the camera and in production instead, because if you can become a producer, you're going to make a whole lot more money. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's probably it. Also find another, find another gig. Um, tough call. Uh, or maybe find a not freelance job. Okay. Let's jump over. I think there was only honestly one Twitter question which is weird because usually Twitter has more than that. Um, But it was funny because it was from Engineering Explained who asked, how many Glucks could a Jeff Glucker Gluck if a Jeff Glucker could Gluck Glucks? And I think to properly answer that, I would actually have to ask NASCAR journalist Jeff Gluck. So maybe I'll turn it over to him someday if he and I ever meet um let me go to facebook now i am sweating in here by the way this truck it's the first warm day in a few weeks and the truck is not on and the windows are up so that the sound it's like a sound booth and it is really like a sauna booth which is less than ideal uh all right jumping to facebook questions Douglas Robertson, with a crashed Tesla at your disposal, a spare weekend, and a handful of spanners, what would be your car truck of choice to transplant the running gear into? An old classic car or pickup or something more modern? I would definitely transplant it into some sort of classic vehicle. Um, my Benz would be a great as an electric vehicle because it's not fast with the gas engine. You'd gain power. You'd keep it quiet. Um, my 280 would be great as an electric vehicle. Brian Pocock, you're the CEO of Lotus and the contract to buy engines from Toyota is up for renewal. Do you stay with Toyota inline fours and V sixes or go with different engines from another manufacturer? Personally, I'd go with Ford EcoBoost engines. Their platform, I think is just so geared towards those Toyota engines. And if you uncork a Toyota engine, you can make it sound good, then it's also reliable. So as much as the enthusi- in us, enthusiast in us wants to go, why are they using Toyota engines? They're using them because they're affordable, reliable, and they can be. you can add power to them properly when done right. So I think Lotus is smart to just stick with the deal because it's what they know. But yeah, Ford EcoBoost would be pretty cool. Ford turbo engine in a British car is a good idea, but I think they should stay with them. <clears throat> Derek Kuhn, do you think it's a good move in GM creating large differences between GMC and Chevrolet with the Silverados and Sierras, or is it just them making the GMC or is it just them making the GMC a more luxurious truck? Um, I think it is actually good to separate them because, as it stands now, I have no idea why you would buy a Sierra Denali over just a nicely equipped Silverado they're both trucks, trucks are pretty nice inside once you walk up the trim a bit. Um, then at that point you're just spending more money for the GMC badge. So you actually to create some separation with the carbon fiber band and the trick tailgate is really good. And then over time you should have that filtered down into the Silverado and have the GM the the Sierra evolve even more. So just keep moving one as you move the other. Ross Ballot theoreticals here obviously BRZ with the new with the WRX is FA20 or Miata with the new Skyactiv 2.5 turbo. Um, uh brz i just like the i don't know i just like the brz better david bonstein's your thoughts on my work vehicle it is a dope ass it's a picture of a cool looking semi truck that he's hauling it's like a gas tanker behind it very chrome very clean um that is a is it peterbilt yes it's a peterbilt um yeah keep on hauling probably listen to the podcast if you're trucking Niles Rogers, if you could only drive a stance car for a day, what would it be? It'd be some sort of VIP, like Lexus LS400, and then I would go home and shower and rid myself of that filth. Not the Lexus, but the stance car. Talmadge Elton Gardner, first car you drove that benchmarked fast for you. Ooh, that's a good question. Benchmarked Fast. Because as a teen, teenager slash college kid, you drive some stuff that you think is fast. Like, back in the day, I thought my three hundred, my 84-300ZX was fast. Like, no, that's not fast. Um, that is a tough call. What benchmarked fast for me? Um, I don't know. I would really have to put a lot more thought into that question because my mind is so jumbled with so much crap. Um... I feel bad I can't give you a good answer on that question. I'm going to think about it more, though. Ask it again. Blake Swan, BRZ or 370Z manual, of course. I love Z cars, and I cannot wait for the 370Z to die. It needs to evolve so bad. And even though it makes so much more power than the BRZ, I have to go with BRZ because it's just, it's like the chassis is fantastic, and with some power adders, you just have an amazing car. Tommy Loretto, favorite New England meal. Um, I love... um, um, fuck, my, I, I'm getting over a cold, so my brain is not working. Uh, I love, uh, why can't I think of the seafood place? It's like my favorite fucking place. Um, God damn it. I'm sorry here. Hold on. It, uh, legal. I love visiting legal seafood, especially the one in the seaport. Um, I love legal seafood, anything from there. And then also just squeezing it down to my hometown a bit more, Winthrop, Mass., Um, there's a, there's a seafood place on the way into there. That's pretty good. There's a, there's a barbecue joint that's not bad in the town center of Winthrop now. Um, but it's legal seafood in general, Boston stuff. I also love, there's this type of roast beef sub that you only get in like Revere, East Boston and Winthrop, where you call it a a roast beef three-way and nobody else does that. Um, and it's actually called a roast beef three-way where it's roast beef cheese, then it has... The, the, I don't even know what the sauce is. It's like a barbecue sauce, but it's not barbecue sauce. And then mayonnaise, and it is fucking great. So that's my answer. Um, so that's the good stuff. I'm sweating my ass off in this truck. Hopefully, it's getting the snots out. This was a good truck, by the way. This TRD Sport. It's 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 a good truck, but it's not a great truck. The seating position is a little weird. I feel like I'm higher up than I should be, even though it's the the the, the double cab. The back seat legroom isn't that great. Um, it's the the gearbox is fine. If you push the button ECT power, it goes. Otherwise, it's just very fuel economy focused. I took it off road. And it wasn't ideal, even though it's not the TRD Sport, or a TRD Pro, excuse me, I still wanted to see what it could do. And I had a little bit of fun, um, but it doesn't have, you know, the two and a half inch internal bypass reservoir shocks and all the extra cool shit that the TRD Pro gets. But it's a fine truck. I know why people like these. I like the instrument cluster layout pretty nice. I'm going to shoot video. I already shot video on this one. It'll be on Truck Central next week if you want to watch that one. So it has some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, but it's but at 38000 it feels so expensive. I wish this truck was $8,000 cheaper or $10,000 cheaper, but I don't fault the Tacoma necessarily for that. And I'm repeating stuff I say in the video. All cars are so expensive. So this truck feels like it's $10,000 overpriced, but it really is just keeping up with the competition. I really wish this was a $28,000 truck, but the average... New car transaction price in the US, I believe, has risen to $31,000. So, this at 38 is not crazy at all based on where we are as a nation spending money on our vehicles. But mentally, it just doesn't work at 38. It's like how that Tahoe RST doesn't work at 78, especially when a Durango SRT with more horsepower is about $8,000 less. Car prices are just way out of whack right now. And I don't see anything on the immediate horizon that is immediately going to correct it, like maybe you know an economic crash, which I'm not wishing for. I don't want that to happen. I would like to sell my condo for a profit a few years from now and get into a, a house or something. But uh, so I don't. Well, maybe an economic crash would be good for that thing, because then the houses would get cheaper. Um, oh, I'm way off base here, just because I'm sweating. I'm sick. Uh, and I got a pack. I'm testing out a new bag. For those of you who are a camera slash travel geeks, I, like, I haven't bought a new camera in a while because I'm trying to spend money in other areas, and I, just there's no reason for me in terms of the videos I'm producing right now to buy a new camera, though I really want a Panasonic GH5. But what I did buy, because I'm still traveling, is a new bag, and I spent way too much money on this bag, but I'm going to sell my other bag to help offset the cost. So... The current I have a North Face backpack, which is just a backpack that I like because it's good for holding stuff in my laptop, but I, I was using the Pelican S115 backpack, which is a Pelican bag that serves as a backpack with a hard back shell, and it is a great camera bag, but that's it. It is just a camera bag. It holds a laptop, but you can't put, like, clothes and stuff in it, so I wanted to find a way to yeah, have a bag that is both for clothes and camera gear and i think i found it it came it's from a company called wandered and since it's a modern company they don't they just don't like using a lot of vowels that's w a n d r d i think this is their access duffel it's one of their duffel bags so you can use it as a duffel and a backpack or just carry it by the handle and I, bought the, I got it with the two, and they make camera cubes that can fit in it or be pulled out of it. I got the two medium camera cubes. I'm going to give it a shot this weekend, and it's a good test because I got to pack some cold weather stuff. Crested Butte is in the 30s during the day, 10 at night or something like that. So I'm going to put this bag to the test, and I will tell you how it is on the next podcast for the five of you that care about camera gear and um, travel gear. So this should be an interesting test. I still wish... It didn't cost as much as it costs, but I'm selling other gear to offset the shit bag price. But really, though, if this bag gets me down from two bags... To, and back when I used to carry all my camera gear, I was two bags and a large Pelican case, but I said the effort for the video return is not there, so I've cut down to two bags. If this can get me down to one bag, I mean, maybe it's worth it in the long haul. The build quality of the bag itself seems really good waterproof seals and heavy duty zippers and all that shit, so we will see how that goes. Uh, I might post a picture of the bag on Instagram if you want to see it too once I've got it all packed and ready to go. Uh, And the cool thing is when I'm at a a site, you know, like Crested Butte, I can take the camera cube out and just travel that, bring that along with me to where I'm going to shoot the car um, so I don't need to bring the backpack. So it'll be pretty cool. So check a look for that on Instagram at Hooniverse Jeff. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Jay Glucker. Also follow at The Real Hooniverse on Instagram and Twitter. Go to Hooniverse.com to read our stories Go to our YouTube channel, The Hooniverse, to watch our videos. Go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. Tell your friends about it. Maybe your your siblings would like it. Maybe it's a nice podcast for your mom if she's into swearing and, and random bullshit tangents and all that fun stuff. Um, sorry, this is a short one. I always apologize when the solo episode runs a bit short. I thought it would be longer, but I am literally sweating my ass off right here in the cab of this Tacoma. Um, and I have to go pack. I have to test the limits of this wandered bag. So in the next one, we'll talk about the bag. We'll talk about the Kia Stinger and we will talk about the Jeep die- the ge- the J the the Jello Wrangler. We'll talk about the boobs and the doobin' and the ups and the down and the, all the good stuff that comes with the JLO Wrangler. <sighs> yep. I am clearly getting over a cold because that, that was terrible. All right. I'll see you guys next week.